I bring in my great friend David McCormick, who's running for the Senate in Pennsylvania as a Republican. He's a former CEO of Bridgewater Associates Investment Firm, served in the uh, George W. Bush administration and the Treasury Department, a Bronze Star recipient for his Gulf War service, and we thank him for his Army service. Uh, David McCormick, good morning. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Larry, great to be with you. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Good. You know, we've been talking on the show a lot uh, with the the goings on in New York City, the tragic killings of these young police detectives about the crime wave and, you know, how awful it is that politicians, in particular the Democrats, and I blame Biden all the way down. I don't want to be unduly partisan, but frankly, his statements are there. You know, they demonize law enforcement and they demonize cops, David. And I think it's going to be a big election issue and um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, Larry, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's emblematic of, of, of the Democrats and President Biden really taking us, our country, in the wrong direction in terms of the weakness of the policies that have been put in place and, and really a, a wokeness that's undermining some basic values in our uh, in our society. And, the, you know, in the law and order category, I think you've got a number of contributors, but it's certainly this notion of, of disrespecting and defunding our law enforcement, which makes it hard to recruit, hard to, you know, get the people on the streets. And then a, a, a sense of in, in the city of Philadelphia, for example, in, in my in my great state of Pennsylvania, um, you know, district attorneys who are uh, putting criminals back on the streets. It's also a, uh, a partially driven by the challenges with immigration and the fact that uh, the open borders policy of the Biden administration has contributed to huge uh, crime waves in our sanctuary cities. And we see that also in Philadelphia, but across the Commonwealth. So I think these things are linked, but it's a broader set of policies that are taking us in a very bad direction. You know, that's an interesting point. The, when Biden was here uh, in New York City on Thursday, uh, probably predictably, David, he blamed it on guns and he gives his usual gun control riff. But he had an, a, a little bit of a, a new wrinkle on this. He uh, blamed Georgia because guns are imported. He crosses state borders and the guns are imported into New York City. Now, um, I can't get too excited about that argument. But the one thing he won't talk about is our southern border where everything is imported. Crime is imported, sex traffic is imported, drugs are imported, and guns are imported. I mean, he will not deal with the border catastrophe that, frankly, is of his own making because he reversed the Trump policies. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with that. And that's a perfect example. If you could have the split screen of the last year or two of the Trump administration and the first year of the Biden administration, you'd see that the number of illegal immigrants coming into our country has increased fivefold. That is affects Pennsylvania. One of the things that's become clear as I've traveled the state, I told you, Larry, about my Ford F-150. I'm, I'm making my way across <laughs> the Commonwealth. And the thing, the thing that I keep hearing about over and over again is that we're, we're a border state. And we're a border state in the sense that the, uh, that the, uh, the things that are happening um, at our border – but the increase in illegal immigration is, is showing up in the Commonwealth. It's showing up in a doubling of fentanyl coming into uh, it coming into our state. You know, I was in Cambria County a couple of days ago, spoke with a woman. This happens over and over again. It's, there's almost no one who hasn't had someone in their family 
or their close circle of friends who's been affected by fentanyl. It's also showing up in the crime, as I mentioned, across our Commonwealth in, in major cities. And so people in Pennsylvania are saying, hey, this secure border is not just a matter of sovereignty for our country. It's a matter of, uh, of crime and drugs and economics. And then the final point I'll make is the one you said, which is if you think about uh, the border in terms of, of human suffering, the, the degree of human suffering and exploitation, sex trade, children being uh, exploited that's happening now on our border because the number of people that are coming to our border with the, th- the thought that they can get in and find a way to citizenship or being part of our country is, um, is making that, that, that human catastrophe much more significant than it was uh, a year or two ago. And this is something that You'll never hear a President Biden or the Democrats talk about, but but from a compassion perspective, it's been a human tragedy. What are Pennsylvanians saying about Joe Biden's uh, race and gender quotas for the Supreme Court? What are, what are you hearing on, on the campaign trail? Well, you know um, the thing that uh, the thing that I hear Pennsylvania saying, and I I think they uh, they they really sort of hold it consistently across the board is that uh, we're, we're all committed as Americans. Those of us who have lived the American dream, like I know you have Larry to a quality of opportunity, uh, but not a quality of, of, of outcome. And so by that, I mean, people want the very best representation they can possibly get on our Supreme court. And they want uh, those who are being considered to be judged on the, on the basis of merit and, uh, and, and to uh, go into this decision-making process with, that sort of commitment uh, and narrowing right up front, I think, potentially takes uh, a number of uh, great candidates off the uh, off the, the list of possibilities. Yeah, I mean, we looked at a poll last night on the TV show. Seventy six percent of Americans disagree with these with race and gender quotas for the court. I mean, they want the best people for sure, the most meritorious people. But for Biden right. to narrow that. And to, I mean, quotas are a bad thing, aren't they? I mean, qu- you couldn't get quotas. You know, the universities are up for grabs on the quota issue. Private business. All this stuff is illegal. It's unconstitutional. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, let me take it as someone who's, you know, led organizations, led businesses. I always believed and, uh, and tried to make every effort to ensure that we were recruiting for the very best people across a broad, diverse set of candidates. So constantly looking for uh, great women and great minorities to bring into our organization, because I felt like that made our organization stronger in a number of different ways. But it was always critical that those judgments, those choices be made on the basis of merit and ensuring that you don't lose sight of that meritocracy. That notion of merit is key to creating a, a, a great organization, also key to creating a great country. Yeah, that's freedom and democracy and opportunity. So I'm going to ask you, uh, this is a rare moment for me. I was going to ask you as candidate to pledge allegiance to an op-ed piece that Steve Moore and I posted in the journal this week to make the Trump, to make the Trump tax cuts permanent. I like that idea, Larry. I haven't read your op- op-ed, which is rare for me, but, uh, <laughs> I think we- <laughs> I think we see I think we see uh, the difference, you know, the difference. And that's why I'm so excited about 2022 and my Senate race. But I'm so excited for 2024 because we we can uh, have a conversation about ideas. 
we couldn't see a bigger contrast in terms of ideas, in terms of pro-growth economic policies versus, you know, the socialist economic agenda that, that's been, been put in place by President Biden and the Democrats. We couldn't see a bigger contrast on the borders, as we just talked about. We couldn't see a bigger contrast uh, in terms of energy policy, which is really critical to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And the starkness of those differences in ideas, we couldn't see a bigger difference in, in terms of education. The starkness of the difference in those ideas um, and the difference between the America first agenda that President Trump put in place and, and implemented could not be starker. And that's that's great for us because the outcomes associated with the ideas that were put in place under President Trump versus what's happening now also couldn't be more stark. And so I'm excited about that debate. I hope we can get above the uh, the, the sniping and talk about those ideas, because I think we have the high ground on ideas, as, as I'm sure your op ed uh, duly noted. I'm going to take that as a yes. Yes. <laughs> Trump tax cuts should be fair. Look, we can lower tax rates, too. I mean, won't that make us look if you have lower taxes and regulations? Isn't that a better way to compete with China than a three hundred and fifty billion dollar spending bill that is now before Congress, which doesn't even use the word China? I mean, haven't we spent enough? And is that really the kind of competitiveness that we want, more and more spending? No, I, cu- I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, lowering taxes and, and the regulatory burdens, as, uh, as President Trump did with your, with your great support uh, in the previous administration, made all the difference. And it was creating you know, the, an incredible dynamic economic recovery. And we're seeing the opposite of that effect now. And I think that is at the core of how we must uh, compete and overcome uh, the challenge from China. I I do think, um, and I I don't think we disagree on this, but I do do think that there are particular areas where we have grossly underinvested and made really significant strategic errors in terms of our uh, trade relationships and, uh, and investment flows with China. And those would be around the areas of, say, semiconductors and key technologies or pharmaceuticals, where we've let ourselves become highly dependent on China or, in the case of semiconductors, on Taiwan, which is 90 miles from mainland China. And I think that creates a huge strategic risk. So I do think we're going to need to do smart things that will ensure that private capital uh, matched with a, a really attractive regulatory environment allows those key industries, which are so critical to our economy, but also national security to prosper. All right. Sounds good to me. Pledging allegiance to the Trump tax cuts. That's really all I ask. I'm a simple person. <laughs> I have very few wants. Anyway. I, I, I like it, Larry. David McCormick, good luck on the campaign trail. Thanks for helping us this morning. Appreciate it. 